welcome to the Nerd Party. Maximum warp. Punch it. Punch it. Punch it, Bishop! Punch it. Punch that shit! Let's punch it. Hello, everybody at home, and welcome. This is Punch It! Writing in Star Trek. I'm your co-host, Tristan Riddell, and with me, as always, is... Charlene Schmidt. Charlene Schmidt. Uh, yesterday was a very, very fun... Yesterday, I should say last week. My gosh. <laughs> last week. <laughs> Time really does fly. Time flies. Yes, last week was a really fun exercise in figuring out a Star Trek formula that I think kind of went unnoticed for the most part in the fandom and that is the year of hell formula but actually you can't really call it year of hell because they no. didn't originate it <laughs> so right maybe it's just the biggest claim to fame that we have and therefore maybe that's how it gets that title but yeah last week was crazy it ended in a place that i did not see coming whatsoever and I, I guess we could call it the yesterday's Enterprise formula because maybe that was the first time we saw it. <laughs> maybe. I don't know. There could be even something that we're forgetting in, uh, in TOS. I'm sure, but you know, we could comb Memory Alpha and probably find somewhere in TOS where they did this in, in a fashion. I mean, comprehensively, I don't know. I would just rather, for simplicity's sake, give it the Year of Hell title, let it have it. <laughs> History is usually a little inaccurate as far as these things go anyway. So you know what? We're just following suit. So I joked last week about this and said like, oh, I'm sure Orville will do this someday. Oh, yeah, and yeah. a listener um, goes by the name of Captain Revo on, uh, on Twitter. He's a, a loyal listener, big friend of the show. He chimed in and said, uh, or- Orville already did this for their season two finale. <laughs> <laughs> and, and then somebody watched... else chimed in and said, oh, they got a little tapestry mixed in as well. Oh, wow. Okay. I've watched, I think, maybe the first five episodes of season one of the Orville. So I had no idea they actually do this. And when you told me off mic, I laughed. Like, are you effing kidding me? Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> of course but they did. What's so funny is that I actually watched the show. I watch Orville. And, and you didn't remember. I completely forgot. I completely forgot that oh they, they pulled a year of hell or today's Enterprise, yesterday's Enterprise. That's so and, funny. And uh, I totally said it as a joke and it was a, a self-fulfilling pro- prophecy. Um, so <laughs> yes, we, we talked about that last week and thank you everybody who chimed in. Thank you everybody who commented and listened and sent us emails. Uh, it yes. was uh, it turned out to be a lot of fun, even though we didn't end in the place that we thought we were going to end. Not at and all. And this week, we want to do something that we haven't done in a little bit. We want to do an episode on the fly, kind of go back to our roots. Oh, yeah. And we thought, since everybody is talking about Picard, let's do a Picard-centric episode on the fly. Yep. Now, this is potentially dangerous ground, so future listeners, after you have watched season one of Picard and you hear this for the first time and you think, oh, guys, you have totally, you've been so off the mark, remember where we're, where, where this is coming from. We are coming from a place where it's summer 2019. We have seen approximately one trailer <laughs> with some detailed information, and that's not a whole heck of a lot to go off of, but we are going to try this because... 
especially coming off of things like San Diego Comic-Con and Star Trek Las Vegas, the hype for Picard is so real. And Tristan, I think we are much like a lot of the fan base right now. We just can't get enough. So we're going to do this. We're going to do this. And that's the the thing about it is that we're not trying to predict what they're going to do. We're just going to be making our own story. Right. Now, we could make it... Um, Picard-centric as in post-nemesis. It could be a TNG story. It could be pre-TNG. We could do something with Stargazer. We have no idea. That's the beauty of what this is, is that we turn on the mics, we sit down, we talk about the premise a little bit beforehand by saying, what do we want to focus on? And then we write and postulate and guess and form right in front of your ears. That's right. And that's what we're going to be going doing today because we have no idea where the story is going to go. All we know is that it's going to be Picard-centric. So, Shar. What do you think? Where should we go? Now, it's like I said, we could do pre-TNG, TNG, or post-TNG. What where are you where are you living? Where where's your head at right now? My head is in the danger zone, buddy. I think it would be really cool to do danger sort of a <laughs> Right. I know the song's playing in my head too. Sorry guys. <laughs> uh I want to do maybe a prelude to Star Trek Picard. Setting the stage, okay. a prologue, if you will. I like that idea because uh, obviously that's where everybody's heads are at right, right now. So let's just go there. Let's get it out of our systems. Now, here there's there's a wide gap between Nemesis and Star Trek Picard. Now, right. do we want to do something that's right after Nemesis? Do we want to do something that's right before Picard? Or we want to do something in the middle? Because there's a gray area there. Even if we like guessed what it could be, we would never get it right. And like we said, we're not trying to get it right. right. So like, we can't. like that trying trying to write that pivotal moment will be very, very hard. So do we want to do a side story on either side of that pivotal moment? That's a very good question. And you have me thinking that either way is a winner. It would be interesting to explore Picard maybe as he is leaving Starfleet. That decision, mm-hmm. whatever it was, we could maybe skirt around whatever this big incident is that they're talking about in the trailer and then just focus on him maybe starting a new life for himself. Or we set the stage for what builds up to be episode one of Star Trek Picard, like just before kind of doing the world building, giving an introduction Mm -hmm. to all of the characters before the introduction. Are you leaning one way or the other? Oh, well, after, I don't know now, because after (laughs) I talked about it out loud, I'm just kind of like, maybe we could just kind of guess what the, uh, what the traumatic event is, and then just run with it. You know, we just mm. make that an episode. Um, I mean, I, I, don't I don't know. know. That... I don't even know if we have to necessarily outline what exactly that is. We could be a little vague about it, but we can know that this is maybe what broke Picard. Mm-hmm. Or at least broke him out of Starfleet. So let's talk about, maybe maybe we could focus on this. Yeah. He's left Starfleet. He's gone. He's done. Uh-huh. He's he's t- he's taken off his pips in dramatic fashion. Uh, as one. you do. Yes. As you do. <laughs> Actually, we know that he was promoted to admiral. We know that um he mo- Actually, we don't know this. We're guessing that he most likely had a fleet. He was most likely a fleet admiral. Uh-huh. And and so our I think what we talked about a couple weeks ago, our guess was he's a fleet admiral. There was an engagement. Maybe he was one of the sole survivors of the fleet. Or like maybe the sole survivors of a ship and something like that, you know. And and so we don't know what that traumatic event was, but he is now done. He's like, I can't do this anymore. 
I'm too hurt. I can't lead people in the battle. I can't be a leader of men anymore because I've lost too many. And yeah. so he is, he's taken off the out, he's taken off the, I almost said suit, like he's a superhero or something like that. He's taken off the uniform. <laughs> he's James Bond. He's James Bond. And now he, he, he walks out of Starfleet headquarters. No uniform on, no pips, no, no uh, comm badge. He's walked out of Starfleet headquarters after, you know, signing his resignation. Where do we go? What's going on? All right. Let's keep flying with this. I have an idea. I think his first step is to go to France, to the winery, to the fields, to go see Robert's wife. Awesome. And they talk. Let's talk about that. Yep. So he's go- he's going to France. Now, obviously, Picard would be keeping up with with her. Like, he would be in uh-huh. contact with her, um, you know, figuring out, like, what she needs. I feel like he would be... I feel like he would be very involved with her life post-generations. I think so, too. Like, I would love to see, over the years, them developing a very special relationship because of their shared grieving. She losing her husband and son and he losing his brother and nephew. And they have a really strong bond. And maybe that's the one person, at least in proximity on Earth, that he knows he can talk to. So that's the first place he goes. That's the first person he talks to after this uh, life-changing decision. He doesn't know what to do with himself without Starfleet, I don't think. So what in the world? I mean, I'm a changed man now and I have no idea who I am. I think if we go in this direction, we need to add a little drama and also try to link it up with the show a little bit more because we don't see her in the trailer and it, we get a very isolated existence from him. Yes. So I think we either, there's a couple different ways that we can go. Here's one way that I don't want to go. I don't want to, I don't want to kill her off. No, I don't um, either. There, one way is, is that she left the vineyard as soon as, as generations happened because she Mm. was too painful okay um another one is she leaves the vineyard as soon as picard comes it's because she's like i was i'm just like this is chateau picard and i i i can no longer do this i no longer want to do this or take care of the place and you're the the you know like since you are now done with starfleet and you're no longer trekking through the stars you can now take over this place and I can go do something else because it's just too painful. Okay. The memories are too painful. Ideas abound from all of this. We are not going to kill her off, but what if she has a condition where she is going to die sooner rather than later? And therefore, she needs to turn over the vineyard to somebody else. And it just so happens that Picard is now available. I don't think it needs to be medical. I think it can honestly just be emotional. I really do. I think. Um, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I don't. I think that's a little. I, I love adding the drama, but I think that might be a little unnecessary drama. I feel like, honestly, mm. a woman of her age and of Jean Luc's age, like she can just say, I don't want to do this anymore. Okay. Like, I don't want to take care of the chateau. And I did this out of obligation to my husband and my son. But now that you're done, it's yours. Yeah. Okay. So maybe she's carrying a lot of emotional pain with her in the years after generations. And mm-hmm. frankly, at this point, it's too much of a burden. And maybe John Luke is the one who says, why don't you get out of here? 
I'll tend to it for a while. You go off and do whatever you want. Travel the universe. Whatever it is that you your heart desires, I'll take care of things here. Don't worry about it. And then it kind of maybe just keeps going where once she leaves, maybe she only comes back periodically, but that would explain kind of the isolation Picard is portraying in the trailer. I like that a lot. I really like that where maybe he maybe he doesn't go to the vineyard. He doesn't go to the chateau in in the thought of I'm going to take this over. He goes there to see her. Yes. And that's it. Yeah, and yeah, then, yeah. That's what I'm thinking and too. And that's Yeah, and so like to piggyback off of what you're of what you're saying, I feel like when he goes there, sees her and sees that she's itching to leave, that she doesn't want to do this anymore. It's too painful. It kind of dawns on him, maybe this could be my new home. Maybe I, love I could it. continue on. Yeah, he just sees the lines wearing on her face. Just the emotional strain she's been under. The fact that maybe this place haunts her a little bit. It's a constant reminder of the life she once had. And maybe they talk about that for a little while. They mutually grieve in person for a little mm-hmm. while. And then it's his idea to take over the vineyard and let her live her life. What does she want for a little while? I mean, Maybe she's taken even. on this tradition for a while. And, you know, Picard really appreciates that because it's really all that's left of the Picard name. There will be no more Picards, as he said. So then he takes the mantle and she goes off. And then maybe the further she gets away from it, the less she wants to come back. You know, they talk periodically, I think, over the years. But really, it was never her her desire to run the vineyard. Right. Right. And what if she actually finds somebody else? You know, like, what if she wants to get remarried? What if she wants to start a new life somewhere? Because we know in the 24th century, you know, burgeoning on the 25th century, um, you know, healthcare for the elderly is completely different. Like, we've seen characters who are well into their hundreds and fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In the novel verse, we've seen a character who was 100 and was an XO. On a starship, you know, like right. that kind of thing. Life is, spans a little happen. longer in this century. So she's got plenty of life to live. And it would make perfect sense that once she gets out there and really does kind of start, I don't know, like rediscovering life and figuring out who she is outside of this vineyard. Oh, my gosh. Mm-hmm. Maybe she just has a complete reinvested zest for life, does meet somebody else, does things that she never in her wildest dreams would have imagined doing with uh, Robert. Mm hmm. Or maybe even that's the reason she's leaving, you know, is because she already found that person. Mm, no, no, no. I want to say that over time, this happens. It's a rediscovery for her. Okay, so this 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 story that we're talking about is kind of a, this, this takes over across a lot of time. So this is... This is all the years between post-nemesis leading up to Picard. Well, th- I, I guess it would be like post-traumatic event. Leading up to Picard. Yes. Yeah, I suppose not Nemesis so much, but yeah, you're right. You're right. So we have that scene where they're talking. He takes over the vineyard. And then, like, I don't know, some sort of weird time lapse in between whatever else Mm -hmm. we're writing later on. We're going to find out that, hey, she's doing freaking great. Now, meanwhile, maybe as the years go on, Picard is also haunted by memories, by the isolation of this kind of life. It's also not the kind of life that he necessarily wanted And yet, maybe he feels a little trapped by it because he agreed to take on the mantle. It is his family's vineyard. But then what? 
Well, he gets a dog. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I think I think that's that's definitely we can kind of introduce the dog. I don't even think it needs to be a a big deal, but I do, I do like your idea of I like I like you rejecting my idea of her finding love and that's why she leaves because what if, like I'm going back a little bit on what I said. What if this was just a temporary thing? That this was supposed to be a temporary thing Ooh. where she was going to come back. Uh-huh. And take over the chateau. Like she just needed a break from the chateau. She wanted to leave Earth. She wanted to go have adventures. And Picard's like, "I'm done with adventures. I want to stay. I want to, you know, have some time on Earth. And you go do your thing." And then, so the, in his mind, he's just—he's not really the owner, even though he is. Uh-huh. You know, by name, and this is the place where he grew up. He's just in his mind, just a caretaker. She co- like she comes back every now and again and says, "I'm going to go do another adventure," and then and then maybe one last time she's like, "I found someone, and I'm not coming back." And even though they were never married, Picard kind of sees that as a little bit of a divorce. Right. Where... She's going to go off and have her own life. I mean, she has, but this is a new dimension of it. I think maybe deep down he's a little, maybe a little bit hurt. Yeah. But at the same time, he's going to say the right thing of, I'm so happy for you. I'm glad you found somebody. This is what you want. Go live your life. Mm-hmm. But now he feels maybe a little trapped at the chateau. Yes. He's like, this was he, just supposed to be temporary. Yeah. It's not a thing where, okay, maybe he needs to go take an adventure now and he can leave it back to her. No, she is officially breaking away. Maybe she's living off planet at this point where it's not even like that really physically feasible, at least a little more complicated anyway, mm-hmm. you know, a couple days via shuttlecraft or what have you. And so maybe there is some isolation. Maybe that's where the whole uh, holographic data comes in. He needs some friends. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that could be like he's, maybe he's just painfully lonely, maybe even gets a hint of agoraphobia. Oh, making it really hard just to even leave anywhere. He gets so, yeah, like he's, at first, it was just supposed to be temporary, but then it becomes permanent, and we see the years go on, and he becomes a little bit more and more isolated. Maybe we actually see him, you know, we have some cameos where he goes and sees other people, or like other people come and see him, and that yeah. happens less and less. People move on with their lives, but he doesn't. Oh, and he gets really stagnant, and like I think the further you delve into that kind of life, the harder it is to get out of it. You know, you kind of dig yourself a a little bit of a hole through your isolation. And, I mean, we've seen, we all have people in our lives who this has happened to, where they set up something that's supposed to be temporary, and then they fall into it, and then by matter of circumstances, they become more and more isolated. And I'd love to have a scene where he's in the vineyard and a stray dog just comes up to him. (gasps) Like, he's he's really lonely. And somehow yes. this dog got loose or like it wasn't registered. It's not chipped. Whatever 24th, 21st century business. <laughs> right. There's no tracking number it. or whatever it is. Yeah. It doesn't seem to belong to anybody. So he is now a companion of Jean-Luc Picard. I'd love to see a scene or a couple of scenes where, you know, like Picard wouldn't want a dog. You, I'm saying in this reality, like he, he doesn't initially want a dog. He doesn't want to take care of a dog. Sure. And so like he like he pets it and he, he kind of just goes like, go away. You know, like, okay, all right. You know, right. Like, go, just yeah, get away. Yeah, because I mean, as the fanboys on the internet have pointed out so well, 
Picard's never necessarily expressed a desire to have a dog. And clear, this is coming from Patrick Stewart. Don't care. It's awesome, guys. Shut it. But I would love yeah. it if he's really ambivalent at first. He doesn't really know how to relate to a dog. And then you cut to a little later. Where, Come here, number one. <laughs> yes, and he's his exactly. Best like, it's his best friend. You see it on the tag. He says it out loud. And we're like, oh, my God, he kept him and he named him. You know, like that right. kind of thing. Yeah, and at first, maybe it's this little runt of a puppy, you know, clearly starved, is not fending well for himself. And then cut to a little later, it's a full-grown pup, healthy as can be, so cute. I, I don't know if I want to do that first part where he's like a little, just a puppy and a little starved. Oh, no? Because... Because I feel like that in that case, you have no moment of discovery and decision because a person like Picard would immediately take care of it. Like he would immediately take mm. care of the dog because it looks malnourished and sick. But if we have a healthy dog, a healthy young dog, just kind of hang around the vineyard and maybe we have a couple of scenes where he's working in the fields and he's trying to ignore the dog. The, door, the dog's like a couple yards away or at the edge of the fields and Picard's like, nope, nope. Nope. Like he's like he's not gonna <laughs> he's not gonna take care of it. He's not gonna feed it. Okay, and then finally, okay. there's maybe maybe there's like one night where it rains and thunders, and then he of course lets the dog in, gives him a bone, and then boom, it's his dog. Like something like that. Okay. Okay. I kind of like the subtlety of that. And maybe this dog is teaching him a little bit of a lesson, even where if this is a healthy-looking, full-grown pup, well, not pup, but dog. Um, mm -hmm. obviously it can fend for itself and maybe this is sending some sort of message to Picard at the right time of I don't know like you can do this or something like that or maybe you do need a friend and you don't have to be alone I'm not exactly sure what the message would be here but this dog mm -hmm. through its mere presence is communicating something to Picard and that also lends itself to him wanting to throw that bone if you will and they become fast friends. Yeah, I like that. I like that. I think there's, I mean, with great storytelling like that, there's got to be a reason and we're going to see a message. And it's going to be something like you don't have to be alone or it's okay to let people in. You know, yeah. like maybe, yeah. maybe we see him decline invitations <gasps> a little bit more and more as the time goes oh on. Oh my gosh, Beverly. Ooh, okay. Maybe that's okay. That's something that kind of happens where... Like, you know, Beverly is still at Starfleet Medical and maybe they see each other regularly, but it happens less and less. And for the first time, he says no to an invitation Ooh. where she says like, oh, maybe I could maybe something something else happens. Maybe she moves on or she tries to invite herself over. And Picard's like, actually, I'm really busy that day. Actually, I'm really busy on Saturday. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe things officially like create a rift between these two where. I think we said when we were talking about the Picard trailer, we were wondering like what kind of a relationship they had. What if they mm -hmm. had this thing where, you know, they were the best of friends for a while. Maybe they were just teetering on the edge of romance here and there. And things have gotten so stagnant for Picard that his relationship with Beverly also has stagnated. And she, she wants a yes or a no. She wants to know where things stand. He will not give her that answer, or at least the answer that she wants. And so then she breaks off and says, okay, I can't do this anymore, Jean-Luc. I'm here yeah. as your friend, but nothing further. Like, it's like I can't do 30 years of on and off again. Or like I mean, of that's a long freaking time, even for a 150-year lifespan. Right. 
right? Yeah. I feel like she's had enough where she's basically she's like, this might be the most honest conversation we see where it's like, you're out of Starfleet. Like we're both on earth. Is this going to happen or isn't it? And he can't say yes and he can't say no. And she's like, fine, I'm going to say no for both of us. Right. The indecision is just too much for her. She can't take it anymore. And it's heartbreaking. It breaks her heart to have to say the words, and yet she has to do what is right for her. It's breaking his mm-hmm. heart because he flat out at this point does not know what else to do. And we as the audience are heartbroken because we love both of these characters. Right. I feel like this is <laughs> one of those relationships. Like there's so many times when I'm just like, no, no, just like just put them together and make it beautiful, make it perfect. But there, this is one of those relationships where I feel like it would never work out. It honestly wouldn't work out. And certainly not at this point, not with this kind of a setup. There is not a happily ever after, at least not at this point. Jean-Luc needs to change as a man if there's going to be a hope for the two of them again. But we're not at a point where rekindling anything is going to work at all. No, 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 no. No. So So, that, that explains the Beverly equation, which many people have been just absolutely pining for. And I think if there is any... Beverly Crusher mention or on-screen appearance, what have you, they are not going to tell us before the show airs. No, no, no. I mean, why would they? That's got to be their best-kept secret. So, you know, I'm expecting nothing out of that. Now, what about other people? Like, what about Jordy or Worf? Do you suppose it's that thing where they have come by, they've dropped in for visits, and they just notice him growing more and more distant and they kind of feel like, oh, maybe we shouldn't have even come by. And so then they do less and less. I think, I mean, I know this is a bit of a cheat and it's easy to say because we got this in all good things, but I feel like Jordy would really would be a really great candidate for this because they could, oh, okay. So they, they I th- like, because Jordy is designing, designing ships, he's on earth, he's married, um, she write books. Let's just say that kind of happens. You know, like the, <laughs> the all good things version of sure. Jordy happens. Okay. Let's just say that's how it is. Um, he sees Picard all the time because he like he's on Earth. He's on Earth. Yeah, but like maybe not all the time. But maybe he, you know his life gets more and more complicated. He sees him less and less. But maybe there's a tipping point. Maybe something shocks Jordy out, and it's when he walks in on Picard playing poker with a holographic data. Oh, that would be a shocker. Cause and Jordy's I like, mean, this is unhealthy. You should not be doing this. <laughs> and that's incredible, given Jordy's history with the holodeck. Oh my God, yes. I love it, I love it, I love it, I love it. Because if Jordy tells you that there's something unhealthy going on with a holodeck obsession, then you know I mean, <laughs> that it's true. <laughs> Yeah, look look in the mirror for one, but then also maybe this is a nice way to show that Jordy has changed as a person. He's a healthier human being. We well, can even say something like, I've been through this. I've gone through this. Yes. I know what this looks like. I love it. I love it. Yes, he can relate his experience to that and recognize an unhealthy behavior. And I don't know, I almost want to see Picard break down a little bit. And have a really candid moment with Jordy. He's just, I'm so lonely out here. I don't know what else to do. This is how I've been getting by. Don't don't take this away from me. 
I don't think Picard would be that open and honest. I think oh. he, I really don't. I think he would resort to anger. I think he would dismiss it. I think he would say like, there's not, he's, he's like, this is just, he's like, this is just an exercise. This is just fleeting, you know, like this is just fleeting imagination. You know, like this is none of your business. Like it's, it's fine. It's fine. Yeah. It's fine. I don't Damn, think he would right. have that breakdown. Fine. Okay. So yeah, maybe. You know, I'm right. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I hate it when you're right. No, actually, I don't. You know, I, I do think, yeah, anger is always the first resort to kind of being caught in the act for something like this. And maybe, though, after Jordy leaves, it doesn't end well. We're going to have mm-hmm. to resolve that later. Maybe he uh, he turns on the hologram. He is going to resume his life as if the whole conversation never happened. But then he looks at Data and realizes, no, this this really is, you know, he kind of has that beat where now he can't enjoy it anymore. It's it's ruined for him. Yeah, yeah. And that might not match up because we're going to see it in the show, but that's okay because who knows how they present it in the show. Sure, right. Again, we just don't know. But I, don't I would know. love to kind of see that beat where he realizes, oh, you know what? I'm living in the past. I'm not even living in reality. And maybe that helps him turn a corner a little bit leading into whatever adventures we do have for Picard. Yeah, I like that. That might be the very first step to getting him out of this stagnant existence that he's not fully comfortable with. Something to that effect. I think think that's good. Um, I don't know. I I can't really think of anybody else who would visit him regularly because it sounds like Riker and Troy. I feel like Riker and Troy would just have their own thing. Yeah, I They're think they've doing their own got thing. their whole lives going somewhere. Um, you know, the more I've thought about it, the less I think they are on a ship. Well, I think Marina Surtees actually confirmed that they weren't on a ship, right? Did she? she I mean, that? I don't know. It's so hard. All the information that's been coming out the last couple of weeks, I don't remember exactly, but you might be right. Yeah. I think it was, I think, I, I'm, I know people are probably screaming into their, into their headsets, but that's yes, fine. it just, that, that's what it feels like to me. I, I think she said something like they're doing their own thing. They're not on a ship, but it's going to be fun. I don't know. I can't remember. I'm, I'm blanking on it. You know, my theory is that they're on Beta Z. She, like her mom is gone. They've taken the mantle where she is the, she now possesses the holy rings and what have you. She's a very important mm-hmm. person on Beta Z and maybe Riker is Mr. Mom or something. <laughs> the sacred chalice of reeks there you go something like that um something like that so i feel like it's hard to have like an episode with a big adventure or big drama because the feeling that they're giving us from the trailer is stagnation is isolation right. yeah there is no adventure in stagnation which is okay because i feel like what we're doing is we're doing the world building a little bit. We are setting that stage. We don't need to have an adventure before the adventure. Mm-hmm. This is that part of the novel where if you just want to dive right into the the action, you can start on chapter one, but we're writing before that. So if you want a better, like if you want a comprehensive understanding of these characters and what has happened that's led up to it, and obviously in the show, they're going to do this differently, but here's our interpretation yeah. of it right now. And if you just want to kind of pinpoint what has happened and when and where everybody is at, this is what you get before that. So you set that stage and then you can go. 
Yeah, this is a this is a, a a prologue, if you will. Yes, exactly. To Picard, where there doesn't have to be a three part structure or a big culminating event. No, so I guess uh, it's not an episode. Like it's it's a chapter in the novel before the novel. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. Uh, now, one thing I'd love to talk about because we just have a couple minute more minutes left. Yeah. Uh, I would love to just kind of shoot ideas uh, towards each other about that traumatic event. We talked about it a okay. little bit a couple of weeks ago where what it could be. And I feel like I've been thinking about it a little bit more. And I know it would be easy to say that it was an engagement with the Borg, but there's a video game called Star Trek Battlefront. I'm sorry, excuse me, Star Wars Battlefront. And it's a... It's a uh, Actually, it's, it's the second one in the series, and it follows a stormtrooper who, like, it picks up right at the end of Return of the Jedi, where the, the Death Star explodes and the, uh, the rebels, quote-unquote, win. But the thing is, there's so much history after that and about the fall of the Empire, because just blowing up the Death Star and killing the Emperor doesn't mean that you that the fleets and fleets of starship, of, um, of star destroyers aren't destroyed. They're still out there. You still have governors. You still have generals and everything like that. Sure. And so that got me thinking about the Borg where, you know, the end of Voyager kind of ended like the end of Return of the Jedi where you kill the queen, i.e. the emperor. Yeah. And you just, you destroyed the hub, i.e. the Death Star. And then they got home. So that was a crippling blow to the Borg, but there's still tons of Borg out there. And, so what kind of state are the Borg in? Do they try to unify themselves? Are there factions of the Borg? Are there do they go crazy and do they try to enact revenge against Earth? But do you have but do you have to deal with this faction of the Borg? Do they look like the Kazon where oh, man. they're all just kind of all over the place and there's no no one unifying voice? What does it look like? And do they that have bad me. hair? That is the important question. <laughs> That, yeah, I I think uh, I think that's definitely something that really needs to be answered. Yeah. Oh, I think we're going to get some of those answers since it is going to have some Borg elements in the story. Yeah. Also, the whole transwarp conduit that the Borg were using to traverse the galaxy—that's also at least in serious disrepair by the end of Voyager. Mm-hmm. I do. My my working theory is is that yes, the Borg are kind of left to their own devices. Who is left? And you've got like little bits of collective that want to be a collective again. You've got people who have broken away. They're all over the map. Yeah. And so the so Borg are just like? kind of like, you're not really sure what you're dealing with on a case-by-case basis, which in a way makes them almost scarier. I think absolutely. And I think it's a genius way to reinvigorate the Borg. I think Voyager gave us a new lease on the species without completely destroying them and excising them from the mythology. I feel like yeah. this allows them to be scarier at the same time vulnerable again. Like it's yeah. it's kind of like a reboot of the Borg in a great way. I mean, yeah, they're loose cannons. You don't know what they will do. An enemy as powerful as the Borg. Oh, that's some crap. Yeah. Yeah, so and that's I feel cool. Like that, that'll be really interesting to see. And I, you know... Uh, that's my bet on the traumatic event. Is that it was Borg? I wouldn't be, yeah, but I wouldn't be disappointed if it was something else or something even more inventive than what we're thinking about. My theory is that it's not Borg, the traumatic incident. I have a feeling it has something to do with the Romulans. 
Okay. Now, okay. what it is, I have no idea. I have a feeling it might possibly connect to the events of Star Trek 09, where we get that split timeline, and it's Nero, and it's, you know, Romulus blows up, what have you. Uh, maybe it's a failed rescue mission on Picard's part. I have no idea. But seeing as how they were delving a little bit into Romulan culture and nemesis, it does seem like that might be some sort of a natural flow and then things go very wrong and Picard leaves. I th- Yeah, I think that's that's a great idea. I, th- I think that I'd be very excited if they did that because it, w- it finally would bring... 09, Star Trek 09 has always been in the prime continuity in that respect. Yes. Because of Prime Spock as well as his flashbacks. That happened in our prime timeline. And so that's what makes Star Trek 09 a reboot, a sequel, as well as a prequel. It's all of those put together. And it's amazing. The multiverse is in full effect here. And so I would love to kind of... (laughs) Even though it's already been solidified, I would love it to really solidify it on TV. The, those events happened in the in the prime reality and the effects of that. And I think that's a great traumatic event where like I like that idea where he's like, he's like, no, we're gonna go rescue the Romulans the best we can. And in his hubris or in his arrogance or something, he makes a wrong decision, half of his fleet gets wiped out by the supernova because he made a wrong decision and Ooh. or something like that. Yeah. That would do it. That would be traumatic. That's great. Absolutely. It has to be his fault, I think. He's got to feel like he's leaving in disgrace. And maybe Starfleet doesn't even see it that way, but personally, it's a serious failure for him. I like that. I like that because I think he's still going to be revered because he's one of the best captains that Starfleet has ever seen. And they're like, listen, everybody makes mistakes or like, there's no way you could have prevented this. And he's like, no, no, I, I, I could have done it differently. I could have done this. I can't yeah, continue Yeah, I on. could have and I should have. And what's done is done now. Oh, I All right. love that. Well, <laughs> folks, I think that's our, that's our episode. And we'd love to hear from you on what you think Picard is doing at the Chateau? What do you think happened between the traumatic event and, and Picard? Or or what do you think happened with the traumatic event? What was the traumatic event? Yeah. Was it Romulans? Was it the destruction of Romulus? Was it Borg? Was it something completely different? Tell us. We want to know from you guys. Tell us. You can do that by going to the nerdparty.com slash contact. Select Punch It from the drop-down menu. Fill out the form. It'll send us an email. You can also find us on social media. We're on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. You can find me personally on Twitter at the Insane Robin. You can find me at Oh the Profanity. And if you want to talk Star Trek Picard, hit me up. All right. Thank you guys for listening. Make sure to subscribe. Leave us a review if you can. And uh, tune in next week because we are going to punch it. Ready for warp, sir. Let's punch it. Join the revolution. Join the nerd party.